This is part one of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, this is the first time I've recorded using this contraption. I don't even see where it is. It said Paul Wheaton is, is recording. Yeah, it says recording on my end now, too. Huh. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the button off. Oh, there. Now I see a recording button. Okay. But I now can't see your uh, document either. Yeah, I had to turn that off in order to be able to, to see it. So. Oh, because um, it's, it's covering the screen. Okay. Uh, yeah, it does. it's doing an odd thing. I'm making the best of it here. It's recording. Okay, we're doing the Woo! podcast today. So I've got on the phone with me uh, Erica uh, Wisner, uh, you know, who, who's been on the podcast, I think, at least 20 times, um, uh, usually talking about rocket mass heaters. And I also have, for the first time, Julianne from Dirt Patch Heaven. Um, and uh, Julianne has put up videos about me and her rather popular YouTube channel, <laughs> Dirt Patch Heaven. And we once recorded a... Um, podcast and yeah one podcast when julianne was doing podcasts but i think julianne i don't think you're doing podcasts anymore are you no i lost my partner and i didn't want to just sit and talk to myself in a room so yep i get that and um wasn't it called something weird like girls with braids or something (laughs) um we had a series that was braid girls but the name of the podcast was was different it was her podcast and i was co-host on her podcast and it was i don't remember what it was called honestly we we didn't do a whole lot and i think yours was the biggest podcast that we did and the most informative so it was a little bit out of its uh out of its circle, the one we did with you. So. Oh, because I just all I remember thinking is like, all I have to do is pretend that I am a female and I have braids. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's then I would then I had a permit to be there, kind of a thing. Well, that was my personal. I, yours was the podcast I was really, really excited to make, having listened to so many of them. And so it was, it was a deflection from what the usual topic was, but it was one that I was really insistent that we needed to take because I, I felt like the subject matter was really cool. And we talked about what uh, residual income, how to make residual income on the homestead. But now today's podcast is about Kickstarter, and and so. The, the, there's, and there's a reason why Erica's here, because Erica had her Kickstarter for her Rocket Mass Heater book, which, um, did, did quite well, uh, on the Kickstarter. And her book is, is doing very well. Um, and, uh, uh, it sounds like she's actually fondling her first royalty check ever, uh, as we well, It's my second royalty check, but it's, it's substantially bigger than the first one. Oh, okay. So. That's very exciting. 
Well, the first one they probably had to score because you, did you get it? Because most publishers give it advance. Did your publisher yeah. give you it advance? And yeah. So, then, so I got an advance while I was writing the book, and then the first royalty check was like, "Look at the money we made and kept because we already gave you an advance." And so this one is actually paying money to me, which is exciting. Okay, it's all free and clear now. Yay! So, which means it was a successful book, which means I might get to write more books with real publishers, which is cool. Okay, all right. <clears throat> and there's lots to talk about in that space, but that'll be another podcast for another day. Um, as for uh, today, it's going to be about Kickstarters. Now, I, I, right now, I have a Kickstarter going, <clears throat> and I imagine a lot of my pod people might be a little bit surprised to hear that. Um, but it kind of came about all of a sudden. But but even though it came about all of a sudden, like, let's do a Kickstarter, there was a lot of time spent in, like, you know, just because I, I, it's a collaboration. Um, and so I'm going to just – well, before I get into talking about what my Kickstarter currently is about, I'm going to just express a couple of things. And so um, Erica did a Kickstarter. It was a success. However mm-hmm. – I think about a year before she put the Kickstarter up, then um, she uh, sent me some stuff uh, to say she wants to do a Kickstarter, and here's her Kickstarter so far. And uh, and um, uh, the, the 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 feedback I gave her was, I believe I believe to be to summarize it, the word was don't. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. And, and yeah, and, and it's like the product, very good. The Kickstarter, not. And so, uh, uh, it's like it, you need to do it a different way. You need to do all these things different. So, um, the, the, the podcast today is going to cover a lot of that discussion. But the other thing is, is that Julianne contacted me last night to say, look, I just started a brand new Kickstarter. Here it is. Won't you support it? And, um, so it was, it smelled about the same as, as what I told Erica to not do. And so, um, uh, fortunately my, my opinion has enough weight with Julianne that, that she, she decided to take her Kickstarter down. And, and then since I'm going to give her hours of advice on this, um, I thought I could turn it into a podcast, but I kind of also felt like whatever I might say to Julianne, might sound crazy, and so I bring Erica along <laughs> to now I see. validate or refute what I have to say, <clears throat> because I believe that Erica, when when we overhauled your Kickstarter, it went through many phases, and I suppose that there were things that I said where at a point in time you were like, yeah, I'm not going to do that, and then time passed, and you're like, Fine, I'll do that. Is that sound about right? Um, a little bit. I mean, mostly it was it was a huge learning curve, and so it was like you recommended uh, that I read a particular book, and it took me like six months to actually get the ebook and read it. And then you know that would have been a really useful six months to already know what was in the book and be doing some of those things that it recommended. Um, so, so yeah. But the other thing, just in terms of um, where we're starting off is when I went and looked at other people's Kickstarters around that time frame, like started really doing my homework on what was working and not working for other people. 
there are plenty of Kickstarters out there that are a lot worse than mine was. And I haven't actually seen Juliana's because it got taken down, but I'm sure that there are Kickstarters out there that are a lot worse than what you would put together based on what I've seen of your website and so on. Right. Now, I I did go out and, and I mean, I have seen what Julianne put together, and, of course, um, it was uh, better than some. But at the same time, I think hers was up for 16 hours, and it got nothing. It got zero. Um, okay. And so that's a, a powerful indicator. But I think, you know, one of the things I'm going to advocate is to um, take a look at the Kickstarter's that are about to uh, peter out. So there's, you can go on the Kickstarter, and there's a, a section that they have called Ending Soon. And if you look at that, you'll see not only are most Kickstarters not going to be funded, but most, more than half, have brought in absolutely zero. And then there's, and then beyond that, there's a whole bunch that brought in like $1 or $5. And it's like not even 1% of what they were asking for. So it's kind of like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work on. And I think some people might have this idea of like, well, I want to do us do something. And so I'm going to go to Kickstarter and they'll give me $10,000 so I can go and do whatever it is that I want to do. And it's harder. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm just saying it's harder than that. Go ahead. Yeah. No, some of the projects, like uh, I remember one that was a guy that wanted to write a book about, you know, it's like early history of, of a particular area. And it looked like it would be a really cool book. But the Kickstarter trying to raise money for the book was not a Kickstarter. It was a story about how he wanted to write this really cool book that ended up looking really expensive but didn't really engage people in the way that the, the crowd, successful crowdfunding campaigns do. So, yeah, there's cool cool ideas that don't turn into a cool Kickstarter without some good good research and good formatting and so on. All right, so I'm going to now talk a little bit about my Kickstarter, my current Kickstarter, which, by the way, um, <clears throat> due to um, – Due to reasons, I, I set it up so it would only run for 27 days. Normally, I recommend that people set up their Kickstarter to run for 31 days. Um, and the default Kickstarter is 30 days. But, like, <clears throat> for example, earlier today, Julianne's uh, Kickstarter said that it was going to be for 29 days. And so, really, you know, if you started it, people expect a Kickstarter to normally be 30 days. And um, so if you set it to 31 days, then it, when it right out of the gate, it says 30. And then you collect one extra day. And, and, and it's amazing how much – I mean, there have been sometimes some Kickstarters I've done where it's like towards the end of the Kickstarter, I was getting $12,000 a day. I would have loved to have let it run one more day. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I mean, like, I finally, I'm finally doing it right. Keep going. <laughs> It's over. Die end. And so at this time, um, I was approached by uh, uh, Daniel Bender, who wanted to do a live thing of, of the PDC. And the PDC is now just a few weeks out. And so he says, I want to do this live thing of the PDC. And so um, I first I wanted to, you know, see if it would fit. I didn't want to do it unless – 
Because it's like, what's the point of doing a live thing of a PDC um, if we don't, if we only sell four tickets? And so I said, well, you know, let's say this. Now, I, personally, I think that we're lining up a super amazing PDC um, with a lot of superstars as guest instructors. I I think this is possibly going to be the best PDC in the United States this year. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I hope that we'll do even better every year from here on out. And, and someday we might even, you know, it might be clear that this is the best PDC in the world. But, you know, anyway, we, we, we're getting that set up. And Daniel Bender said that he'd like to, you know, set up a bunch of video cameras. And then he could do something where he could pick which camera to use live. And it would go out over a live stream. And then people could type back to the class to like, you know, kind of like a chat-like thing to be able to ask questions and stuff. And um, and so it finally got to a point where we're like, well, okay, we've sold enough tickets that we're going to have a, a really good crowd. So if we're going to do this, what are going to be the terms? What's going to be the dealio? And so we worked out a dealio and I decided to do a Kickstarter. And I said, well, in that case, I need a Kickstarter video. And since Daniel has all the footage from the previous PDCs and stuff, then um, he's going to put together a video. And then he had comedy in his life, uh, something about, like, traveling to Mexico, and he had some work to do in Mexico. And then Mex- uh, the United States said, you just stay there. You just, you just don't come back to the United States. And and so the, apparently that comedy went on for the better part of a month um, and, until he could get back in and then make the video. So by the time I got the video, <clears throat> and then we went back and forth to to spiff out the video a bit, um, and it got to the point where I started to put together the Kickstarter with all of the things we're going to talk about to make a good Kickstarter. And uh, uh, then it got to be the time that my Kickstarter was approved. I thought, okay, this Kickstarter will end after the PDC has started. <clears throat> And so um, then comes the whole thing of, like, because uh, Kickstarter, once the Kickstarter's over, Kickstarter's going to go and ask everybody for money. And then um, we don't find out until two weeks later who's who all paid. Because, like, you know, a lot of times something like 3 or 4% of the people uh, don't, don't put their – don't pay the money. They pledged – a hundred bucks and then they pay zero. It happens. And so then it's like, okay, well, we're going to provide it to the people that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So in order to make everything work out, instead of running a Kickstarter for 31 days, my Kickstarter is running for 27 days. I'm going to say, I, this idea is odd enough of what we're doing. Um, and there's already so many online offerings available now. I just kind of thought, I'm not sure anybody really wants this. Um, and uh, we asked for $6,800 because it will talk about how to set your reward level uh, or how to set your uh, goal level. Um, and we got funded in 22 hours. That's the fastest any of my Kickstarters have ever been funded. Uh, so I, I feel very excited about that. <clears throat> All right. At this time, um, 
we're, we're also, we've also just announced the, the Rocket Mass Heater Workshop Jamboree, which Erica, of course, will be there. In fact, Erica, you're going to be for all of this PDC and half of the appropriate technology course that immediately happens after the PDC. Yes. And all of the Jamboree, of course. And, yes. And in fact, um, uh, I believe we do not have you scheduled for part three. So the Jamboree is broken into three parts. That's you'll be there. It's just that you're not going to be teaching it. So we've got seven, the seven top innovators in the world all coming here, and we're going to have all seven innovators at the beginning for the first two days teaching courses, and there'll be multiple builds going on at the same time. So, but all right, I I can't do it from memory, but but I'm there's also the permaculture boot camp currently going on. Um, and where my videos, my YouTube videos are coming out again. So that's thanks to the Patreon people. Um, if it wasn't for the Patreon, I wouldn't be putting out videos right now. YouTube videos. Okay. <clears throat> um, this Kickstarter, which is still open, it's got 11 days to go as we're recording this. I'm not sure how long it's going to take to get this um, uh, podcast out. This is my sixth Kickstarter. Um, and the, the, the main product that we're looking into doing is to generate approximately 220 hours of video of the permaculture design course and the appropriate technology course. Um, and so that's four weeks, four full weeks of stuff. Um, most of the people just want the 220 hours of video. Um, and But quite a few are also going to be participating uh, in the live and interactive portion. In fact, I'm looking at the rewards now, and, of course, I'm just, you know, a glutton for this kind of thing. Yeah, so, so far it looks like we are going to have about 80 people uh, doing the live part. <coughs> um but, okay, so the, the the Kickstarter thing is, should we, I mean, every Kickstarter kind of has this question, should we should we do this at all? Um, you know, and and there was, I, I honestly thought that there was, there was a pretty decent chance, like a 30% chance, that we wouldn't get funded at all. We would not get $6,800. And so then it'll just be a failed Kickstarter. Um and currently, the Kickstarter is at $43,000. So, you know, we're definitely doing it. Um, you know, Kickstarter likes to tell you the percentage of how good you're doing, but I don't see it on here right now. Um, <coughs> all right. Ah, that's, I think I've, I've now uh, I've told people enough about my Kickstarter and all the stuff we're doing right now. Julianne, um, you were putting together a Kickstarter, and and so a big part of what goes on in your world is that you're visiting, uh, first of all, you have your own homestead, and then um, you followed my residual income stream advice to the point that your family could go away for six months, was it? Nine. Nine months. You traveled 
the United States for nine months visiting all of these other different places and making YouTube videos, all these different homesteading spots. Right. And I think we were your first spot. Yes. We were super, super excited to come to yours. I knew that it would be a really good place to start. Uh, you have enough solid, solid information and solid buildings and solid permaculture, everything that it was a really good place to start. And it was really super exciting to meet you because I've been following you for so long. Well, and I think that we've got a lot of video fodder that I haven't put up onto, uh, onto YouTube myself because I don't know, um, spread out a little thin, maybe. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's and easy. So you came by, all I had to do is stand there and say, this is a berm. It's a good thing. Yeah. And, and then you videoed that. I, I. The funny thing is, is like uh, um, you videoed a bunch of stuff, and then over the next couple of months, those videos would come out as you had time to edit them. Right. And um, – I thought like the berm thing was probably one of the most profound things, but it got hardly any views. Right. Um, it's you can only feed people what they're interested in. So it doesn't matter how important you think the content is. You can't force them to be interested in what they don't realize they don't know. Right. Right. The the thing that people went bonkers for was um, uh, Cooper Cabin and George yeah. Navi, not because of the Wafati thing, but because it's like, oh, is that a tiny house? Yep. Yeah. And yep. so they, they went bunker set. But the, the, the thing is, so you went and you visited all these different places, and then all these, a lot of these people are kind of like, I want to make a YouTube channel too. And, and so then they're asking you, how do I make my YouTube channel be as big as yours? What did you do that was the magic stuff? Right. And then, um, even even people you're not visiting are uh, what they're asking you this. How do I do this? How do I do what you did? And so then your Kickstarter was going to be to provide something that would help them understand that. Right. We I get a lot of requests about that kind of thing. I love to do collaborations with people, especially smaller channels that have a lot of really good information. Um, there are people out there who know how to do things that are homestead, self-reliant, better than I do, but they don't know how to package it. And it took me three years to figure out how to package it so that I could predict pretty well what kind of views I would get on it. Um, it it's just a it's just a skill set. But I have so many people asking me the same question over and over and over again, and it takes a lot of time to edit my own videos. I I I want to make videos about homesteading, not necessarily YouTubing, but it's the question I keep getting is how did you do this? Right. So then that was what your Kickstarter was going to be. And now it's been, now you've taken that one down for now. And I, and I want to come back to that, but, but later, um, instead, um, I, I want to point out that, okay, so you had a video and of course you've made a lot of videos so that you edited a video and put it up and you have your theme music and stuff like that. And that was all in there. And then you had a bunch of rewards and descriptions and stuff like that. And then it was up for about 16 hours or so, would you say? Yeah. So you put, it up, you put it up yesterday afternoon and you took it down very early this morning. Right. Okay. 
and and it, and it had zero pledges when you took it mm-hmm. down. Right. All right. So let's set that aside. And, and Erica and I are going to go through a bunch of stuff, and then at the end, we're going to give you advice on how to have a fucking awesome Kickstarter. Okay. All right. Now, uh, so Erica, she put together a Kickstarter. Um, uh, I w- I'm going to try and guess it was it 2014, 2015. Uh, it was it was a long time ago. I'm trying to think. I, yeah, that's about right. I don't remember when I first put the first attempt out there, but it was at least a full year before we ended up actually running it. So it would have yeah. been no later than spring of you know what that I put it up. It was definitely January of 2015. Okay, I'll yeah. buy that. Okay, all right. So it was January of 2015, and then when you actually put out the Kickstarter that did well. That was, I think, probably somewhere in the space of, like, March of 2016. We're around there. Yeah, it finished in April. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. So, um, what, you know, what you, so you sent it to me, and and uh, it was part of that preview mode. So, you get a Kickstarter put up. You could put a little video in it. You could start putting in the descriptions and the rewards. And when you think it looks really nice then you can, um, there's a preview link that you can give to your friends and you can say, here, can you look at my Kickstarter and give me and, and tell me what you think, like how it's going to do. And so then you did that. You, you sent me the link and I said, don't. No. And, and I would have to say that part of this whole podcast is that when Julianne sent me the thing uh, and said something about sent me an email after her Kickstarter was live and said um, uh, this you know hey will you promote my Kickstarter then I kind of had to think a little bit about like okay I have this much relationship with Julianne and if I tell her uh, that it's terrible then you know. Am I destroying my relationship with Julianne? And I want to maintain a good relationship with Julianne. Whereas when Erica sent it to me, <laughs> then at that point in time, I had a long, rich relationship with Erica. And when I tell her it's terrible, then, then you know, our relationship is undamaged. <laughs> and at the same time, she's coming right back to say, oh, yeah, if you think it's terrible, then you have to tell me exactly why it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, it's more like, my friend, my friend, I must save you. That, that's my impression anyway. Oh, okay, yeah, like that. <laughs> like, yeah. So no. now, Go ahead. You came over here, I mean, you know, so you packed up Ernie as much as a giant man can be packed up into a little tiny car, and um, and his leg, because everything, of course, everything in the world revolves around Ernie's leg. Um so you packed up Ernie and his leg, and and you came out here. And I remember that we you would make a script, and then I would tell you that the new script was also shit, but it's a different flavor of shit. Um, who knew that shit came in flavors? So um, uh, and then we would go over it and over it and over it, and then in the end, I was like trying to type up a response of your latest script. And how awful it was, but I was, it was like, this is going to be like a novel on, on all the reasons why this script is so bad. 
So instead, I wrote a script. And um, and it was my first pass, but I believe that what you ended up with in your um, actual, in the Kickstarter that went live and did well, the first half was the script that I wrote, and then you followed it up with a bunch of um, uh, other stuff that you added, which um, I thought was uh, like 10 times better than what was in your first video, um, but still not really great. But who cares? Maybe people will do that out after after the scripted part. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember um, I came to your place because there was a good video guy coming, and we actually got some really cool footage using your script. And what was missing still at that point was the pitch. And the pitch is, like, my least favorite part of any transaction. I like I don't I, I still struggle with that part of sales and um, so it took a long time for me to get that and the other thing I learned about myself is I have a hard time seeing all the invisible people behind the camera and so for me if there's a live human being that I like behind the camera I am I'm good on video and if there's not a live human being and I'm staring at the tripod like I'm bored and uncertain, and you can totally see that. Yeah. So. That first video, it did kind of seem like I am recording this because I have to. I'm, yeah. I'm required <laughs> by law. And apparently, yeah. revolution is not an option at this point. It's like, I like to write books, but people want video, so I'm trying. I am, I am recording <laughs> This is my last will and testament. I, I am under duress while recording. <laughs> I don't know who's watching it. But I'm pretty sure I might hate you. Yeah, if you had to take a voice print off it, I, they might not let you in that door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's uh, it's just, for me, it's learning things about myself that some people, especially I think if you're more brought up in the video and YouTube age, it comes more naturally to some people than others. And yeah. I'm not shy, but I am, I, you know, I, I just, I don't present as well if it's just the camera as I do if there's people. Well, and I, I've recorded a lot of video with you and, and, but at the same time, I mean, I, what I do is when I video you, or when I'm sitting next to you, because, like, the whole TP thing and the Wapati thing that's in the DVD set, then, like, I'm sitting next to you, and we're talking, and I think the rapport goes really well. But a lot of it is is that I am goading you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then you've got things to say, and now you've come to life. But um, if you're reading off of a script, um, it turns out that we've learned that Writing is your medium. Yes, and I am not an actor. And and we actually knew that about me in high school with the high school theater program. I, my medium in that context was set design. Like, I would get <laughs> roles in all the plays because then I would be at the work parties for the set design, and they'd end up with really cool sets. And, uh -huh. and so I got, like, tree number three in, like, 12 <laughs> plays in a row because I, I just didn't study the acting part, and it's not my gift. Yeah. It, you know, it's something I can be trained to do, but it's a lot of effort for the trainer where some people just love that, that pro projecting yourself through those media, um, 
some people have that gift more, much more naturally than I do. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was being pretty good at <laughs> euphemizing and saying, your gift is writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I, yeah. It's great. I mean, the book is hot. I mean, everybody is bonkers about your book. Your book is doing really, really good. And it's like, oh, finally, we've got a book that's the how-to. All right, Kickstarter, 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 Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, um, video is so important, so very, very important. But uh, And I think that the video that we ended up with was quite good. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you did the animation? I did, and that's another thing I can do is, like, I can draw things. And so I drew some cool things so that they could look at the cool things instead of my face, which <laughs> I thought worked well. Well, I, I think that was your idea, wasn't it? I, I I said make shitty drawings, and I I think I referred to Ali Brosh of Hyperbole and a Half, saying, you know, Ali Brosh has blazed a trail that made it so that we can all do shitty drawings, and and so, but I said I said shitty, and you actually drew a lot of stuff in there that was pretty cool. I I like the style. I think I think what it is 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 that uh, how the the animation came across to me was like uh it was it was somebody who cared a lot who did who who made a disability in art uh work out really well it was fun even though it was like not fine art and and i think that it it, it came through really good um I- I considered it an homage to XKCD. Like all the people were stick figures, <laughs> but there were lots of like little stick figure plants and deer and, and icebergs and whatnot. So, so uh, I, I I think that the the animation turned out really good. And of course, um, the script that I wrote, I I ended up uh, doing the voice for it. Um, but you could have gotten anybody to do the voiceover for that. I think. Well, not anybody, but um, I, I think you could have found a lot of people that could have done that. I just happened to be handy. Um, so uh, um, I, I think that that part turned out really good. And then later you kind of explain, you know, stuff and things. But the video is so critically important. Um, and, and if you go and you look at all the Kickstarters that have failed, I think you'll find a lot of uh, videos that are not well done. And, and that's, that's going to be a big, big part of it. All right, so to finish up your story, you proposed a Kickstarter – it was awful. Um, you spent over a year reworking it and polishing it. And uh, and then I was not available. You started your Kickstarter. And um, and everything looked like the, the a lot of it was fine. But at that point in time, when you pushed out your Kickstarter, you followed a lot of my advice. And there was some of my advice you decided to not follow. And, you know, I'm, I'm not your um, master, so you do whatever the hell you want. And the results were so-so. Fair? Yeah, and, I mean, decided might be a strong word. There was a lot of good advice and a lot of things to learn, and I, I don't think I absorbed them all. I, I think there were things that I just didn't remember were part of the plan. Okay, so... Um, my giving you advice is a bit like drinking from the fire hose. A little bit. Okay. All right. All right. Um, and and then I became available. You had like 
seven days left in your Kickstarter. And I had a point where I could contact you and say, your Kickstarter is not doing well. You need to quit fucking around and do what I tell you. I, I remember that that's what I said. Now, you know, you may have, you, you may have disagreed with that, but I remember we had like a two hour conversation and then I laid out a plan for you. I remember having a conversation where it was like, crap, I wish I'd been paying attention earlier. And <laughs> like, here's what we need to do. But I, I, I remember it as a lot more magical things that you did rather than things you told me to do at that point. Oh, I was. As, I, I, mean, I, I, did, I did as much as I could of what you were saying to do. But I, well, right. But a lot of the things I can't do for you unless you do something on your end. Help me help you. I think I actually used that phrase like five times. Help me help you. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a lot of coaching. And because I was at that point fairly sleep deprived as well as drinking through the fire hose, um, it was a lot of let's take step one. And then, like, here's a list of five things. And then I'd report back and, like, I did three. What was number four? Okay. All right. All right. So. And and I I seem to recall that I I felt like when I talked to you that day, that your the response that I was getting back from you was like, I'm just going to do whatever you tell me now. I'm just I'm not even going to think about it. You just tell me what to do, and I'm going to do that. That was that was my vibe at that point. Whereas before, it's like you know you're only going to do the things that you think sound like good ideas. And so, and half the stuff I sound doesn't sound like a very good idea. And so you're going to not do those things. You're going to only do the ones that you think are like, yeah, I like that one. I'm going to do that one. And then when I called you and we were close, we were like only six or seven days left in your Kickstarter. Then you're like, I'll just do whatever you say. You just tell me what to do and I'll totally just do that. And so. Well, and that brings me, if this is an okay time, that the two things that I would have done differently and that's it's two out of hundreds of things you can recommend. But one is at that point, I was in the middle of something that was going big, and it was clear that if it went bigger, like it was it, it was funded, so it was going to happen. But at that point, it was like you know you set your goal reasonable, but what you're really hoping for is bigger because that's what it would take to have the project you know make money for you, and so. Anyway, I so the one thing that you did that I didn't do that I wish I had done, it's like I thought I knew a fair amount about it from having watched you do your first, I think you'd done three at that point. And I wish I had done the little tiny, let me just do like a $200 Kickstarter for new shoelaces and see how this goes because there were so many things that I was trying to follow and learn about for the first time that it was very hard to process additional advice because I just, you know, didn't, I, I didn't have room in my brain in the one month time frame to learn it all. And then the other thing was at that point you were suggesting stretch goals that would, that would help people get motivated to raise their pledges or, or bring in more people. And I really wish that I had, worked on that ahead of time and had most of those already in the can ready to go rather than making promises while sleep deprived 
about what I thought I could do. It's like that, I, you know, I've still got a few of those ebooks that we promised that sounded really cool at the time that I still haven't finished because it takes me longer than you thought it takes me to do graphics that I like. And then there's all this life happens in the middle of all that, too. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's... is poison. Yes, yes. And get and so I, I think there's people where you give them money and they get excited and they go do what they said they would do. But I am one of the people who may, may – there may actually be more of us where I get excited to go do something. And if I get the money at the end, I'm rewarded and I stay creative. Whereas if I get, you know, if I get paid up front for an art commission, then it's just, it's harder to get it done. And I'm still cranking out things, but I knew that about myself. And at that point, I, the, the only way to do it my way would have been to do it ahead of time. Well, well planning out the Kickstarter so yeah, you had some really good advice about how to set up those stretch goals and how to how to tailor those to our audience. And that's where like if I'd already done a tester Kickstarter and I knew all the mechanics of it, my brain wasn't filling up with trying to understand that stuff. I could have had that conversation with you like 3 or 4 months out and then I think I would have had a much better time preloading things that could be brought out during the Kickstarter as as the candidate. So I I agree with both of the things that you're saying. Um, I I because that's what I did too. You said you should have started by making a Kickstarter to say I need some new shoelaces for two hundred dollars. <laughs> you know, just to just to find out how this thing works and stuff like that. So I did exactly that. I made a Kickstarter that's like that was for I asked for eight hundred dollars to make a YouTube video that would require equipment that I didn't have at the time. And it's just the, the equipment's too expensive. I, you know, I, I'm all set to record this video, but I just don't have the money to justify making this video. So, uh, I did get $1,100 and, um, but I learned a lot. And then my next Kickstarter, I, it was for the, um, a wood burning stoves 2.0 for DVD set. And for that, I got $92,000, uh, because I've learned a lot <clears throat> and, and, and stuff, but we'll, we'll get to all of that here in a moment. And then your second point was to be better prepared. And I, I kind of feel like, yeah. Um, but at the same time, the stretch goals are, are a touchy subject because it's kind of like, you know, if you make stretch goals at the, before you've even started, that's kind of like saying, like, yeah, I'm going to totally get funded. And it's kind of like, uh, it's a little, it's not so clear. You, you gotta, it's, it's a, it's a bit more of a gamble than that. Um, and in fact, um, <clears throat> no, I, I, I don't think you'd announce the stretch goals ahead of time. Oh, no. Do you feel like you, it's important to be, to be responding to the audience in real time when you're when you're deciding on the stretch goals? I I've done it both ways, <clears throat> where I had stretch goals planned out before I started the Kickstarter, and like in this last Kickstarter, I did not have any stretch goals planned out at all, because I was thinking we might not even get funded at all. I I mean like you know, and then if we did get funded, it would be just barely funded. 
Um, so I'm, I'm, I didn't plan stretch goals. I didn't get that far. All right. The, the important thing is that um, I'm trying to just relate the history of your story. And then um, the thing is I got involved. You and I worked together and your Kickstarter, I'm looking at the, the, the kick track stats right now for your Kickstarter. <clears throat> and you were at the time you were getting something like about $200 a day average. And then uh, you were getting more like $4,000 a day average. So we, we definitely kicked it into overdrive and brought you in a lot of coin. You asked for $12,500. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much you had the day that we, you know, the big jump happened, but you were funded. Um, I'm for, I, I don't know why. I think I've told uh, um, 20 different people that you were not funded and that I got you funded, but I'm looking at it and like, no, I'm totally wrong. Um, you, you were funded. By the time we started doing, we changed the game, you were already funded. Yeah, um, I think, I think we were funded a week or 10 days in. Like, that, yeah, right. but it was, it was a, it was, it was a, definitely a game change when you kind of kicked into full attention mode. And it was, normally they say like the first week and the last week tend to do the best. And it was, it was not the last week. Like, like there was this bump when you kicked in that was probably more like the third week. It's like, like a little bit into the third week and it's like, oh, Paul woke up. <laughs> like you can tell on the graph. Yeah, you can kind of <laughs> see. When I, when I came out of hibernation there, um, but, but now the thing we're talking about is kick track. It's spelled K-I-C-K-T-R-A-Q. Um, and so it's spelled weird, but <clears throat> you go to this site, you feed in any Kickstarter, and it will report back how much funding, you know, like I, I, I always look at daily data. I click on a little tab called daily data, and it shows how much funding the Kickstarter got on each day. And so when you look at this graph for Erica's Kickstarter, um, it's like it, it looks pretty lame and pathetic. And um, so I think you're probably, I'm going to guess you're probably at about 15,000 when I, when you and I collaborated and suddenly there's the big spike. And um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So there's seven days, last seven days were spike days. Um, and, uh, so I think you're at 15,000 and we finished your Kickstarter at 46,000. So we brought in a good extra $30,000 um, by, by, you know, doing this better. So um, anyway, uh, and, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. That's what this today's podcast is about. It's about that. All right. So I think I've, I think we've painted a picture of, of your Kickstarter. We've also pointed people towards KickTrack, which is an important tool when you're doing a Kickstarter. Okay. Now let's talk about what is Kickstarter, what is not Kickstarter, um, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and the big thing is, is that 
it used to be that if you wanted to start a business, or in your case, you wanted to write a book, then a lot of times you would find a publisher, and the publisher would give you an advance. Um, or if you're going to do a business, and your business is going to be, you know, some kind of object, then the idea is is that you're going to go to a bank and get a loan, and then you're going to have to, like, you know, make a bunch of tools or something like that, set up a factory to make whatever it is you're going to make, and then go into business. Um, and uh, the great thing about Kickstarter is, is that you can skip the bank. You can, you know, go directly to your end product customers and say, I'm about to make a thing, and if you buy it in advance, then the thing will exist. And if you don't buy it in advance, then I guess I won't do it. <laughs> Um, so that's, I think that that's the primary function of Kickstarter. You've, you've got to, you've got to have the thing. Kick, people that are on Kickstarter are, you know, looking at each of the Kickstarters and they're trying to understand like, okay, if I support, if I look at this Kickstarter, what's going to be the thing that will be created that I could get? And, and so, um, that needs to be clear. So, so Erica, that's where you had a big advantage over Julianne. Um, your thing is a book. It will be a book. It will be a book about building a thing for which there currently is no book on how to build it. There is a book on how it's cool and it hints to building it, but it's, it's not a very good how-to book. And so there's not really a how-to book. I'm going to make a how-to book. Um, whereas Julianne's stuff, it sounded like she was going to make a video, but it wasn't really clear. And, um, and it's like, it's, I'm going to, I want to, if you support my Kickstarter, you're going to get a video on how to grow your YouTube channel. Is that right, Julianne? Yes, it, it, and it was difficult to choose the topic because it's, I, I've already done a successful Kickstarter. My first Kickstarter I did two years ago for a greenhouse, and it felt like it harmonized well with my channel because it was a homesteading channel. I was going to do eBooks, and I wanted the greenhouse so that I could make better videos for my climate. And this time around, this is what the audience feels like it's asking for, but it it doesn't feel like it's in tune with my channel as far as like what my channel is actually around. And so there feels like a disconnect there. So yeah, what is what what is it I'm really doing here? Okay. So I'm trying to I'm looking at your account on Kickstarter and I'm trying to see the previous Kickstarter that you did, but it's not showing it to me. I think it says Kickstarter for a greenhouse. Oh, it may be that one may be on my other account. I I did two accounts because I didn't have a business email yet. So that's under that's probably under my other my other account. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's why it's not showing up. All right. Yeah. So, um, um there's there's something you said that I think is worth highlighting, Juliana, which is harmonizing with an existing audience. Um a lot of a lot of what seems to make Kickstarters work is is the social network thing. They tie in really well with social media if you have a good network and you're in tune with it. And so, yeah, if if it's like 
how to make a YouTube channel, it sounds like you're not even fully convinced that that's the next thing you should be doing. It's just people are asking you for it. Right. But it, if you if you were able to frame it as like how to use YouTube to support your passion or to or to support your homesteading dreams, yeah. maybe that would feel more like it's what you're trying to do with people. Well, and I don't know. I, I get about it when my channel is strong on a strong month, I get about 1.3 million views a month. But uh, when I've talked about a project that I could give to people that that would be a better project that I could spend more time editing the people who actually speak up are the ones who want to know how to YouTube and it it just all feels very garbled as far as like well this is what you're asking for okay I I can make this for you why and and so I think Paul said earlier when we were on the phone he said it looks like you need to do house cleaning maybe Julie what you need to do is sit down and do some house cleaning and really improve your channel and and to me maybe that feels what it's like is that now at this point I'm reaching to be like maybe I really don't do, know what I'm doing with my channel and maybe a Kickstarter is just kind of a reach out on where do I go from here and maybe that's not the right place to start a Kickstarter from. I think that, that the topic in general is going to be good for you to do a Kickstarter. I think that the way that you presented the Kickstarter is the problem and that's why I want to make – that's why we're making the podcast today. Okay. Um, I, I think that uh, you do have a lot of people that are coming to you and, and saying, I want more, I want more, I want more. And and you're kind of thinking like, okay, what can I do to come up with something that will feed a thousand people all at once um, and as opposed to me trying to spend six hours with each person one at a time? Right, exactly. <clears throat> Which is kind at of where you're at it's. now. And then, right. and then it's like, well, there's already stuff out there about how to grow a YouTube channel, but you're doing it for homesteaders. And the technique that you've come up with for homesteaders is, I believe, unique. And it's going to be, it, it is, it is a good thing, but it's like, let's, let's put that on hold and, and we're going to come back to it. Because I think that the, the point I was trying to make is, is that for Erica, for her, it was a book. So people who are like bebopping through, Kickstarter, like, what's this Kickstarter about? And what's this Kickstarter about? What's this Kickstarter about? I mean, basically what they want is, you know, what's the bumper sticker of what's the thing? What are they going to get? What's the thing that, that is going to exist if they support this Kickstarter? For Erica, it's a book. For For your Kickstarter, it was kind of vague. It sounded like maybe they were going to get a video. And and I kind of feel like, and then what was in that video was also kind of vague. And so then I kind of felt like, all right, more time needed to be spent on cleaning up that message. So it could be, so this is my first, my first thing is like to say, what is Kickstarter good for? What is Kickstarter not good for? And, and I want to say Kickstarter is good for starting a business. And, and the business needs to produce a thingamabob. Whereas some people are going to go into business like, I'm going to be a consultant, which is kind of what you're doing. And it's like, that doesn't fit for Kickstarter. Um, because it's, it's like, um, you could go ahead and hang your shingle right now and people can hire you as a consultant if you're in business. 
But Kickstarter is going to be more like, okay, you know, is there even enough interest in a thingamabob to, you know, go in to, to activate, to go out and build a thingamabob factory? So in the case of a book, is this like, is there enough interest to go and print up a thousand copies of this book? Um, you know, if it's a video, you've got to do the DVD pressing thing. And so, and it's like, or is it not even a DVD? Um, and then, uh, there's even stuff like, uh, like some documentaries are like, okay, we want to assemble a crew and go into the deepest part of Africa and video, um, this particular species of ant, you know? And so is there enough people that want to see a documentary about this ant to, to, you know, pay for us to put a crew together and go, go get that video? So can I ask you a question there then? Because I do know my, my problem was I was looking at the video. I'm like, I think I did a pretty good thumbnail. I think my thumbnail was okay. But as far as the video went, I'm like, all my best video is about homesteading. And yet I'm doing a Kickstarter about YouTubing. And so is it wrong? So I actually sat there and thought about it for a while. I'm like, do I take all my beautiful homesteading videos I've made and incorporate it into this pitch? Or do I just do the pitch? Because maybe a lot of these people aren't interested in homesteading. The only reason they watch me is because they see that my channel is growing and thus I should just pitch and say, I'm doing a video showing you how to learn the skills of YouTubing. Now, I, I think that when, when we get to the end of this podcast, I think the thing that I'm going to suggest is that um, the, the, the thing that you create is a class that's going to be, um, uh, you know, one of those webinar kind of classes. And it's kind of like, should I put together this webinar thing? Okay. You know, I mean, I think that that's kind of part of it. I mean, I kind of feel like the great thing about Kickstarter is, is that it's a question. And, and it's like, should we fuck with it? You know, um, is there interest? Um, you know, like with our current Kickstarter, the question is, should we buy this equipment and try to, you know, stream these events? And, and, you know, because it kind of seems like maybe there's just not even enough people that are interested in it. I think your question is, is like, should I put together a thing to teach people this stuff? You know, and, and that'll be your question. With um, Erica, the question is, is should we print the book? You know, and, and uh, I think that, you know, like with when I was working with Bart, we would go out and we would get the video, and then the question was, should we even edit the video? And Bart felt like the question should be, should we even go out and take the video, which is what Bart did when he did his own Kickstarter, which was the Natural Plasters uh, DVD. Um, and I was even kind of feeling like it's risky to even ask, you know, for for the editing stage. And in my last Kickstarter, the editing stage proved to be very problematic. And, it, and, and now I even kind of think that if I ever do a DVD again, um, I'm going to make sure that the editing is at least 90% complete before I do the Kickstarter. Mm. The question is, is like, you know, are, is there enough interest in even printing DVDs anymore? Because it's, that's an expense, not to mention the shipping of the stupid things. 
And so it's, it's like, that's a, that's, that's quite a leap. Um, <clears throat> so then I kind of felt like the question in, in your Kickstarter was vague, but let's, let's come back to that. Um, Kickstarter is a place to start a business. Uh, you got to be super clear on what is the product, not a buffet of products. It's got to be pretty much a product. There's a thing that is going to exist in the end if the Kickstarter succeeds that won't exist if you don't fund the Kickstarter. Um, I, I think another good question in here somewhere is the whole thing of, like, uh, some people – what they're really doing is they're begging for money. And, and it's like, I've seen crowdfunding things on like um, Indiegogo or something like that, mm-hmm. where they're kind of like, I just like to have some money. And so I just like to ask people to give me money. And, and I, my first thought is like, yeah, no one's going to give you a penny. And then they get like $90,000. And I kind of think, what the hell happened there? So <clears throat> clearly there's a whole school of thought on how to do this stuff. And I have no idea how that works. So I can't comment on that. But I, I can comment on how to do a Kickstarter, and which is a very, very different animal. And then there's a lot of people that want to do things that won't fit within the Kickstarter rules. And so then, you know, that's their space. But I've seen people where it's kind of like they want to do a hybrid, like, I'm going to make a DVD, and I want $40 for a single DVD. And I kind of think, that is a lot of money for a DVD. So I think you were offering a DVD. I'm trying to find there it is. I think it was 30 You're asking for $35 for a DVD. Yeah. Now, when the Kickstarter is over, then – how much would you sell the DVD for then? So, like, let's say you you made the DVD, and and then um, so people during your Kickstarter they paid thirty five dollars for the DVD, and then here it is like okay you've now sent out the DVD so you've made the DVD you sent it out to all your Kickstarter peeps, and now somebody comes along and they say well I want a DVD I didn't know about your Kickstarter, um, and so how much is your DVD now? Is that a question? Because I hadn't I'm, thought that far ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I, I, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but I, what I what I came to the conclusion of and what, is that I was doing it all wrong when I first, in my earliest Kickstarter efforts. And so, but I'll, I'll get to that here in a moment. All right. Um, let's see. I, I think that it's important to say that as part of your Kickstarter, if you don't get funded, you're not going to do this thing. And so I think that that's kind of a, a huge core of what Kickstarter is about. And and I've seen some people that are be like, they're going to be, they kind of say something like, oh, we're going to totally do this thing. We just want to try and see if we can sell some of it through Kickstarter. Mm. And I kind of feel like that's not what Kickstarter is for. Um, you're looking for marketing. That's something else. Uh, and so Kickstarter, so I kind of feel like if you don't get funded, you don't make that thing. You got to go make something else. Um, so I, you know, you got to be, that's something you got to kind of embrace. And I think 
I think to be fair, you, that's how you approach Kickstarter. That's how you go into it. Is, is like, uh, it's not, and it, it don't go into it like a dare. You go into it to like, it's, it's kind of like, I want to do this thing, but I'm not sure there's that much interest in this thing. And so that's the Kickstarter's question. So the, on the bright side, if it doesn't get funded, well, at least you don't have to do all that work. Right. You know, you don't yeah. have to do much work to make it happen. Well, and on our last one, the reason I, one of the reasons I did it was because I wanted to have the experience of writing an ebook, and I knew that if I did the Kickstarter, I would have to do the ebook instead of just sitting and thinking about it. And we did put them up on Etsy, and we did sell ebooks, and they did well. Um, and we did look into the pricing of the DVDs for this one, and I was assuming that I would sell it later. I just, I hadn't thought about the price that I would be selling it for later when we put it on the website. So, um, all right. I, well, now is the time to talk about that. Let's let's do it now. I believe that if you're going to put out a DVD, that um, an important thing to keep in mind is that the your Kickstarter supporters are saying, "We believe in you, and and we're going to trust you. We trust you. We believe in you. You're awesome." And uh, I know the product doesn't exist yet, and but you say it will, and I'm totally trust in you because you're awesome. And so it might take six months. It might take two years. We'll wait. Here's my money now. I will wait. And I trust that you're going to give me an awesome product in the time frame you say that you will. Um, so then – Okay, so like, let's say you've got Bob and Ed. Bob gave you thirty-five dollars for your DVD, and then uh, you know, and then your DVD comes out seven months later, and Bob is happy. And now there's Ed. Ed actually looked at your Kickstarter, and Ed thinks you're a fucking loser, and Ed hates you, but wants the information, but thinks you'll never come out with it. Then you do come out with it, and Ed's kind of like, fine, I'll buy it, but only if it's cheap. And and so what's your price to Ed? And and so my my answer is is that is, is something along the lines of I I like Bob a hundred times more than Ed. I want to give Bob a much sweeter deal than Ed. So here's what I want to do. I want to make the price for Bob much lower than Ed, significantly lower. And at the same time, I want to just load Bob's pockets with all the candy I can come up with and provide him with the current product. I, I want I, – the idea that people support my Kickstarter, it just means so much to me. The idea that somebody would put up – 40 bucks or 20 bucks or 100 bucks, whatever it is that they're putting in, just strikes me as like super awesome. That is so great. What a, what a powerfully positive message. And that they actually put up real authentic monies um, as opposed to that Ed guy who's kind of like, you know, I don't trust you. And and uh, I'll only buy it if it's good. I'm going to wait until I hear the reviews. 
if the reviews say it's good, well, maybe I'll pay a pissant price for it. So I kind of feel like I want to set the price ridiculously high for Ed, and then Ed will be like, that price is too high. And then I'll be like, then don't watch it, asshole. So, you know, so here's where I'm at now. I like the idea of a of the price of a physical DVD being somewhere in the, if it's a single DVD, maybe the $20 to $25 range um, for, for a DVD. And then after the Kickstarter is over and everybody's gotten their rewards, maybe I'll sell that DVD for $30 or $35. Um, and so $20 to $25 for Bob, $30 to $35 for Ed. That's to me. My values are if if they trust me and they're they're being awesome and they're wonderful people. I wish to give those people candy and awesomeness back. And the people that you know can't be bothered or whatever or are going to wait for the reviews or you know that kind of that crowd. I want them to pay a higher price. And and if they find the prices too high, then they just don't they just don't get to see it. Bob got to see it and Ed didn't. That's cool with me. So that's that. But about it was about halfway through my um, world domination gardening Kickstarter when that hit me, and I I think I made a, a thread where I vowed to make my prices for my stuff during the Kickstarter much, much lower than I had been. Um, because my first thing was, is like, okay, what's the price that I could charge? And then, you know, charge a pretty hefty price um, because, you know, I want to make sure that I get funded. Because what if only, you know, 100 people do this? Then how am I going to pull this off? And now I've totally changed my strategy to be more like, you know, what's going to be a fair price after the Kickstarter is over. And then during the Kickstarter, I need to do a much, much lower price. So that's, that's where I'm at now. Um, next up, let's see. Um, which is the best deal. Lots of bonus candy, lowest price for, Oh, for at least a year. So, um, when, so let's say uh, my DVDs came out last August. Uh, August and September of last year, the new four DVD set. I am not going to sell those DVDs for um, a lower price until at least a year has passed. Um, and then it's it's not so big of a deal. I buy, And then for the, for the year after that, I might be the same price. And then the year after that, I might start dropping the price down and, and stuff like that. Um, and then I've had people say, like, well, you've got to make this. This is it. This information is critical. You've got to make sure it's available to the whole world. And and it's kind of like, uh, i got a whole lot of YouTube videos out there for free that's available to the whole world. They can have that. And this is this is trying to, to explore different avenues. Okay. Any other comments about, you know, the, the, the prices for before and after the uh, Kickstarter? It's, it's just a, it's a little bit of a trick because you're, 
you're doing as probably a small run, your initial run. It's, I, I think a lot of people think that Kickstarter is about testing an idea and it seems like it works better. You get a lot better support if what you're actually doing is closer to the stage in a business where you would be going for a business loan, where you've got a business plan, you've got a prototype, you've got, you've got a lot of the work done and you're at the stage where you need to fund the production. And if you do a big enough production run, it's affordable. Um, but yeah, you, one of the, one of the easier ways to make sure your Kickstarter people get a deal is if you have some prior products that you can throw in with it. Um, so yeah, the, the, the price, like if, you know, Paul, if you're doing a hundred dollars for the live stream thing or whatever it is, that's all, you're also getting a bunch of other, uh, downloadable plans and documents and, and other stuff with that. Right. It's, it's hard to set, it's hard to set the initial price, um, well, I mean, you're, you're giving them a pretty steep discount to make sure that, you know, to, to sort of reward them for taking the risk with you of being on the first run. Um, sometimes, like, I was tempted to try to push, like, autograph copies or sort of make it a premium good thing that it's a first edition. You're part of the, the team that's making it happen. I didn't, I didn't really get any takers for the autograph stuff. I think a lot of people are looking for a deal, and they know it's a risk, and they're willing to wait till it shows up. And and they do feel like they're part of it, but it's it's just tricky to find the price where you can still make money while giving them a better deal than what you're planning to do for your main market later if you are going to market it as a as a competitive thing later. I never understood why anybody would want to have an autographed anything. Um, but I've had a, I've had two times when people have brought me the deck of cards and say, "Can you autograph?" box and you know so it's like all right i guess <laughs> kind of ruins the box but okay fine um well, and i i think some things there are they are collectible in first edition and autographed all changes their value you know there's there's you know even letters by the people that signed the Declaration of Independence, like there's apparently the most valuable signature is this one guy that didn't do a whole lot of business on paper, so there's only like three of his signatures out there compared to other people that signed everything. <laughs> anyway, so it's just like a whole weird thing, and my audience agrees with you. They don't really care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, do you think you're important or something? No, just give me the like, book already. Although they did like the idea of a muddy Ernie thumbprint. <laughs> we had several people who were like, "Can I have that too?" <laughs> so it's like, yeah, different audience, different tastes. Yeah, there you go, there you go. One of the things that I did was uh, we did uh, at Permies. We can do uh, what I call a poor man's poll. So um, you go to the forums, and I would talk about, you know, maybe we're going to do this streaming thing of the PDC and the ATC. So I said, click on the thumbs up for this post if you would be willing to pay $200, you know, to, for the PDC. Click on the thumbs up for this post if you'd be willing to pay $400 to get both the PDC and the ATC. Something like that. I, I went and I did a, a poor man's poll, and we had, I think we had like 13 people that said that they would pay something like uh, $300, you know, and 
and then um, at three hundred dollars uh, for thirteen people, we were kind of like doing the math and like uh, that's not going to cover it. That's not going to work. It's not enough people. And even if there's a lot more people that actually pay the money than say they will, there might also be a bunch of people that are just clicking on the thumbs up button and they're not going to pay a fucking thing. And so then we went and we asked the question like, okay, how many of you would be willing to pay a hundred dollars to get all the video? And, um, uh, I think we had 42 people pretty quickly that, that said that they would. Um, and then we're kind of like, okay, you know, now we're getting closer. Um, and, and we can process, you know, 500 people almost as easily as we can process 50. And so it's, it was kind of like, well, let's, let's try something down this path. And, um, now, frankly, I mean, a hundred bucks, and this is what our, our current, uh, Kickstarter is, is all about is a hundred bucks and you get 220 hours of video. I kind of feel like that's a pretty streaming awesome deal. Um, and, and so I, and I think that's where, where we're really getting a lot of attention. And I think it's 150 bucks and you get the live access where you can type during the event and stuff. Um, now, and, and then I think I've had a whole bunch of people tell me that they're going to get all the video and then they're going to just slowly watch it, you know, over the next year as they feel like it and get time and stuff like that. And then they'll probably pick and choose what bits they're the most interested in. And it's like, that's cool. That's fine. So anyway... So it kind of sounds like your which platform you use works differently. I think I think for a lot of my problem I wonder is that we aren't real active on our website. I'm not real active on my Facebook page. Video editing takes a lot of time and I have a, a limited number of people that help me do it and um I have a very hard time getting out there and taking the pulse of my audience in something other than comments and trolls love to hide in comments and it's hard to sort them out. And so it, it sounds like, I don't know. It sounds like what you're describing took a lot of work with polls and forums and, and back and forth. So when Erica really took a whole year to get her Kickstarter ready, it really is, it really is, that big of a process unless you're just a whiz bang like instant person on Kickstarter you already really know the ropes I, I want to make it clear that I took six months to think about buying a $10 book <laughs> <laughs> and then I took four months to feel sorry for myself about not being good at video oh. and then I took like a week and read the book and then I was like, oh, cool, like, this is a really good idea, and I should take a few months and, like, start doing these things with my audience to kind of get them ready for the idea that, like, like they're paying attention to me because I'm giving them good info, and then we're going to move into where we're going to do the ask to come and support the Kickstarter, and, and they'll be listening instead of checking the email every six months because that's how often I've been putting them out. Okay. So <laughs> it's like the there's the, the actual work, and then there's the 
um, the process of wrapping your head around starting to do the actual work. And you need a team. Ernie says you need a team. And as, that's probably true for many people, but it's very, very true for me. Like when I when I when I go to Paul's house and there was someone who cared about making video or who cared about editing the book and checking for typos, it's like things would move forward if I was working with somebody else. Even if I was telling them what I wanted, when you know my friend that I I work on her farm and she came over and stood behind the camera and she's not a videographer but she was happy to like do a little bit of light makeup on me and have it kind of be girl time. <laughs> and it was like that, even, even if I'm leading the team, the fact that there is one gets me moving. We're sitting by myself trying to, to do it in between things. For me, that's my dead zone. Um, and it's, it's easy to get tangled up in. It, there's, there's a time it actually takes, and there's a life happens where if you had a solid week, you could do it, but realistically, it's going to take you a month because you never have a solid week. Um, but there's also there's also the the wrapping your head around it or procrastinating or whatever time. Well, and I, I really feel like that. Like last year when we went and saw Paul, he told me certain things that I was supposed to be listening to, and it wasn't that I l- wasn't listening. It was that I didn't understand what he was saying. I really couldn't understand how to do all the things he was telling me. And and right now, right here, it feels like, okay, successful YouTube channel. I know how to put out the videos. I I'm and I want to do for my audience what Paul is currently doing for me by having this podcast. So it's valuable. I know it's valuable. That's great that it's valuable, but I'm I'm good at making these other YouTube channels, but I'm are at making these videos, but I'm not good at figuring out how to tell people that it's important. And I I am a tunnel vision type of person. I like to think of an idea and do it now, which is why I'm good at daily videos, but I'm not good at thinking like long term it, it still sounds mind-boggling to me that it seemed like this was what people wanted. And, I mean, you can probably see that I'm stuck in that same place where I'm like, it seems like this is what they're asking for. They've already seen me work with other people. They've watched me grow other channels. They've watched me grow a ton of other channels. And yet I offered it. And, and so Paul is saying packaging, packaging, packaging. Your video sucked. You didn't put in good rewards. And yet now I'm really scared to go put that, that Kickstarter back up. Like if I go put that Kickstarter back up, I'm just waiting to get kicked in the jaw. And, and cause my, my subscribers are going to hate me now. They're going to think that I'm just using them for money and that I didn't do it right. And that I'm, I'm not genuine. I'm not really trying to help people. So now I'm, I'm terrified to go work on this project and then have them say, no, we're not interested again. Well, I, can I speak to your thinking about your audience a little bit? Yes. Um, I think that you, you're, so you've got your audience and then you've got, you might have some trolls who like see a million views and they go around and ask that question on 18 million things they don't care about and they, they're not listening by the time you give them the answer. Um, but your, your core audience is interested in what you're putting out on homesteading. And so, it's, it makes sense to me that you, you would absolutely use those videos to talk about, you know, how do I put together a video? How do I find out what my people want to hear? You know, how do I, um, how do I 
make this work with my home life. Like the whole whole point of this is is it allows you to like you you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't like homesteading, right? Like you don't have a channel about how to do this for surfing and a channel about like you're not just picking homesteading because it's popular, right? Right. You're doing it because that's what you love, and this is a way to feed what you love and have it feed you, right? Right. Right. So that's I think that's the core, and it is going to be if you if you do. Uh, how do you build a YouTube channel around something you care about? And how do I build one that supports my homesteading life? Then I think you can speak from a point of that. That is your passion. You're not, you're right. I don't think it makes sense to make a generic one. That's just about YouTubing because if all you're interested in doing is YouTubing for money and you don't have a topic, that's a completely different ballgame. And that, that in a way it's a fantasy to think that you can build an audience that's going to follow you if you don't have a topic. Okay. You know, it's like the, the people who are really successful from what I've seen do tend to be genuine, interested. Um, they're, some of them are really brilliant and some of them are just really themselves. Does that make sense? Right. Mm-hmm. But it's like you you have an audience, you have a relationship. I think you're absolutely right that you want to treat that relationship as gold and not, you know, but they also, they want to see you succeed. They like to see what you're doing. And they probably, like, I'm, I'm assuming they don't want you to stop because you had to go work at Walmart. Right. <laughs> so, um so I think, yeah, if you can be yourself and you can put something together that even say, say, think of it as in terms of would, would at least 30% of your viewers be interested in maybe doing this themselves someday? I don't think there's that high a number. I, I, I just, I honestly just don't know. We, we changed our genre in the middle of our channel because we went for this road trip and we disconnected from our homestead for a time. And now we have an extremely, extremely mixed audience. Some are only interested in tiny houses. Some are interested in RVing. Some are interested in homesteading and some just want to grow a YouTube channel. And so right now the, the, <laughs> it's like a mixed yep. salad and I don't know which is, should I take the romaine lettuce or the tomatoes? I don't know which one to take. Make a salad. What about, what if you did a YouTube, like you did an interview, you do, you do 80% your stuff and you do three interviews with other people who have successful YouTube channels and those topics that you know, you have a dedicated audience. For. Okay. I want to, I want to jump in here real quick and yeah. say, this is Paul's podcast and we got a thing to cover today. I want to just make it clear. Julianne's channel is already doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Julianne is on to something and mm-hmm. does have a long list of people that are like, tell me how to do what you do. And even more important than all of that, Julianne's got a unique approach on how to build a channel, which I think is something that is worthy of a Kickstarter. Um, it's just how to do, you know, I mean, basically she was, I think Julianne made a lot of the mistakes that, that you made, Erica, when you first tried to do your Kickstarter. Now, Julianne's expressing concern over, you know, a year and three months. And then Erica, your response is, is like, 
well, six months was procrastination, and then three months was feeling sad that Paul's such a mean fucker. <laughs> and then, then I actually read it, and it's like, well, that's it was- not hard. <laughs> so, and and then I've been holding off all this time, wanting to say like, it's hard being my friend, isn't it? <laughs> so. <laughs> it wasn't Paul's a mean fucker. It was the I suck yeah. depression. That's that has nothing to do with you. It's the if you use this, if you allow this to become emotionally a judgment on your decisions in right. your life, you can really easily get stuck in that hole. That's not what this is. This is a a method that has its own quirks and its own challenges, and you can learn a lot about how to use the method. But you have to. You have to define your product, your thing. You know, do your thing. Don't do somebody else's thing to try to make it work for your audience. Do your thing, and then you will have success if you also understand the mechanism for how to use the Kickstarter. I think an important thing here is is that you're saying something like Ernie chimed in there for a second and said you need to have a team. And I think that it's not that you have to have somebody there with you the whole time. I think that you're going to have to have a certain level of self-discipline no matter what. And Erica, you crank out those um, plans pretty pretty damn good by yourself. And that book, that was not a book where you had somebody sitting next to you the whole time you were writing it. I would guess that 95% of the time you sat by yourself and wrote that book. You did have help with editing, but that wasn't exactly a team thing. That's more of a collaboration thing. You've got collaborators. And I kind of feel like for every Kickstarter that I've done, I've had collaborators. I've had people that I have worked with and they played some kind of role. Sometimes I paid somebody to help with some video or I paid somebody to help with some graphics or I paid somebody for this or that or or some people volunteered. And I'm very fortunate in that I have a massive audience of, of people that are volunteering to help. Now, of course, volunteers, you have a little less predictability than you do if, you, if you're paying somebody. But I don't, I mean, I think that the picture that you started to paint there for a moment was, it sounded kind of like, I need somebody to be right there with me as I'm doing all of these things. And I, and I want to respond to that by saying, like, yeah, I think it's always nice if you've got somebody standing right there doing it with you the whole time, but you can't always have that, and you don't right. – I think that you, even though you state that, and I think that you will believe it to your core, you will still have times where it's like, damn it, I don't have anybody with me, and yet I really want to get this done. And then you sit down and you do it. I have that. I will do it. Julianne will do it. And we'll all, and that's why we have whatever it is that we have. We each, each, all three of us have an audience. And I think it's because we don't wait until somebody holds our hand and we will do it. But if somebody will hold our hand, that sure is nice. (laughs) Yeah. No, during, during the months, during the months when I had a weekly meeting with my friend, Barbara, and we discussed the projects we were each working on. It was like a business meeting for two separate businesses that were each one person. (laughs) And during the months that I had that happening, I would make progress. I would make progress. And during months that I was trying to do it on my own, sometimes I'd have a really productive week and sometimes I'd have a month that nothing happened. And so 
for me, it, yeah, it doesn't have to be every day all the time, but if I have somebody checking back in with me once a week, even once a month, that I'm planning to get things ready, like it's, it's just sort of, for me, that is a big factor, like that sort of social accountability is a big factor in me staying productive, staying on topic, staying satisfied with the fact that my work, like somebody's going to notice that I did it, you know? Okay. This podcast is continued in part two. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.